That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network. Welcome to the Restricted Section. We are a raunchy, rowdy, rambling, unabashedly pro-trans rights Harry Potter book club podcast hosted by a bunch of millennial nihilistic assholes who are desperately clinging to childhood fantasy as a way to escape the monotony of our nine to five work culture and the inevitable extinction of the human race at our own hands. Isn't it wild that this book series was spontaneously created by the gods and has no actual author? Welcome to the show. Wow. Am I in therapy right now? <laughs> Did you write that? Yes, Surely I wrote you it. wrote that. I wrote that. That was beautiful. <laughs> you know, that was like really good. You should consider writing more. Have you thought about being a writer at all? Cause no, actually, you're the first person who's ever said that to me. Like, I think you have a hidden talent here. Whoa. Okay. Wait, I'll think about that actually for a little while. I'll think about it. It is my supreme honor to be joined today by my assiduous friend, Grace. Say hello to the listeners, Grace. Hello, listeners. It is my most delicious privilege to be joined as well by my astute buddy, Brooke. Say hello to the listeners, Brooke. I am so excited that you came up with new adjectives for this season. I wrote them ahead of time, and they all mean <laughs> things that actually describe you. <laughs> delicious. <laughs> and... Last but never least, it is my most excellent pleasure to be joined by my sardonic pal, Mary Payton. Say hello to the listeners, Mary Payton. You really nailed it. Hello. Hey, <laughs> uh, we are here. <laughs> We're recording. I've truly missed this podcast so much. I do think breaks are important, but, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder, and I'm more excited about this podcast than I've ever been in this moment. So thank you guys so much for joining me today. We're doing a little bit of a Goblet of Fire introduction. Not that anyone really needs an introduction. Um, a little bit of like a mail bag, owl mail, ask me anything. Just doing a whole lot of hyping up. We're here to guzzle from the goblet, baby. Yeah, we're just guzzling over here. <laughs> I'm like actively burping from my Moscow meal as I'm trying to get that line out. <laughs> So before we go any further, um, some housekeeping stuff from over the summer. Um, we have a couple new patrons that deserve a shout out. We're super grateful for our patrons. We love them so much. So this one's for you, Anna and Foster. They're awesome. We met them both on the, our Discord server after they signed up. And we're just like so grateful to have them as part of our community. So thank you, Anna. Thank you, Foster, for supporting the podcast. It's because of you that we can do cool things like this season, we're going to start posting transcriptions of every episode to make them more accessible to people who are hard of hearing. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Wait, wait, wait. Who reported they had a hard time hearing your voice? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody. I'm doing it preemptively. <laughs> Our patrons help us be able to do really awesome things like that. Um, so speaking of the Patreon, please join us. Um, support our efforts to be as inclusive as possible by becoming a patron. You can find that link in the show notes. All right, that's quite enough. Before we get started, we have some really awesome emails from listeners. We have some questions from some of our patrons. Um, and I also have just some like discussion topics as well. 
But before we get started, um, Grace, Mary Payton, I know you've read this book a lot. Um, I have also read it a lot. I just wanted to start with getting maybe Brooke's one minute summary of The Goblet of Fire. Are you up for that, babe? Oh, boy. Okay. All right. Hold on. Good luck. If anyone can do this, it's Brooke. Hey, Siri. Set a timer for one minute. Oh, God. (laughs) One minute counting down. Okay, so this, oh lord, this book I haven't read in ages. So this is going to be primarily me describing the movie, which I have seen far more often to you. Um, But there, it's generally that we all arrive at Hogwarts and Dumbledore's like, hey, spoiler alert, this year someone else is going to die. Hey, just kidding. Um, No, seriously, people could die this year. We're doing a whole ass tournament. And... After, like, a lot of, like, male ego posturing, um, the other schools show up. And apparently in all the magical world, there's, like, one French school full of chicks and there's, like, one Bulgarian school full of dudes. I already fucked up because I missed the entire beginning where we take a time, right, port key to the whole ass broom flying Quidditch. That's the word. Man, I'm rusty. Championship. And um, Death Eaters show up and they, like, burn that ish to the ground. Okay, so now we're back at school, right? Four and seconds. We're, we're like, okay, we're going to do this whole tournament. We do the tournament. Harry gets stuck in a maze. All of a sudden, he's trying to kiss a girl. No, never mind. It's Cedric. Cedric's dead. Oh, my God. My boy! Well done. I think that was pretty good. Yeah, that was one minute. Thank you so much. That's really important <laughs> context for this episode and for our listeners moving forward. Brooke, do you remember reading this book just, like, for the first time? Uh, yes. This was the first book where I was, like, old enough and caught up enough with the series where I had been, like, actually reading along that I got to go to a midnight book release. This was my first Harry Potter midnight book release. And they were like, here, child, have some trauma. (laughs) And you said, thank you very much. I'll take it. (laughs) I said, I'm going to stay up and not sleep and not eat anything until I've read this book. (laughs) And this Mm -hmm. is the first long one. So Mm -hmm. that was a real commitment. It is 730-something pages. Oh, Yeah. I mean, it's honestly a good thing that this book came after the books had already gotten successful, because could you imagine trying to convince (laughs) a publisher to publish a 700-page children's book? No. I mean, hard no. We, we, at Brandy Lane, we automatically reject manuscripts of a certain length. (laughs) They're like, we'll check the word count, and then if it's too high, we say, sorry. Sorry, we just can't. Um... Awesome. So, Mary Payton, do you remember reading this for the first time or slash what, how how do you feel about this book? Where does it like rank for you? Yeah. Uh, Well, whenever someone asks me which is my favorite book, I always say the the seventh one because it just like wraps everything up. It's so dark. It's so good. But that one I like because it's like the ending one. It makes sense that that is my favorite kind of of the series. This one really is my favorite book on its own. And yeah, I definitely remember reading this for the first time. Of all the books, I think I remember this one the most going to the book release and the book was huge, like double the size of the one before. Maybe, wait, how many, do we know how many pages? It is absolutely, I I think it is possibly like almost three times as long as the previous one. It is absolutely double book three. Mm -hmm. Which was just the most exciting thing for me as a kid who was just obsessed with reading anyways. Do y'all remember if, if like, we knew ahead of time that it was going to be so long or if that just really caught everyone off guard? I remember being at the party and whether or not that information was publicly available, I remember the first person getting their book because we could, like, see them in line and they (laughs) held it up and they were like, oh, my God, it's so big. (laughs) A small, like, like, seven-year-old child is trying to carry this 
20 pound like book out notably chunky book yeah i remember hearing that it was gonna be that long before getting it and i don't know if okay. i don't know how or if i'm just making that up but i do remember hearing that and i i remember staying up way too late on a school night finishing this book because it was Classic. so freaking good yeah. yeah, it's amazing how fast you can read this book. Here's a little confession time. Here's a little look behind the curtain. I just finished reading this book today because um, I'm trying this new thing where I'm really prepared for the podcast that I run. <laughs> so if I seem freshly traumatized by this story, it's because I absolutely am. It reads so quickly. I was reading like 300 pages of this book in one sitting. It's just absolutely astounding. Grace, what about you? Where does this book fall on your list of pre- your ranking? Do you yeah. remember reading it as a kid? What's so, going on? I don't know if this was the first time I read it, but I did have it read to me. Um, my stepmom, for some reason, read this book and only this book. That's to, a lot of words. To us kids. So, you know, that was kind of cool. I definitely remember her reading like the whole yule ball scene i don't know why you were like that's really awkward there's there someone is getting felt up in the bushes (laughs) right now (laughs) yeah Uh uh-huh but this one is definitely my favorite book so i'm so excited for the reread yeah i mean it's good it really is um this is the moment where the author who shall not be named started i think really trusting the readers there is so much that goes on in this book. And also it's the first it's the first story that Harry gets caught up in that like isn't just because he was meddling. This is like happening to him, you know? Yeah. He really doesn't do like almost anything wrong in this whole book. Um whereas before it's like, let me go really involve myself in this. So I think also it's like the first book where you can kind of actually really root for Harry in like a real way. Yeah, I do feel like the whole time you kind of feel bad for Harry. God, so bad for the, every like, fucking word from cover to cover. Yeah. From from the womb to the tomb, Harry. <laughs> are you okay? God, and oh, just okay. So, like I said, freshly traumatized trying to move on. So, let's start with an email from Jim. Hey Jim, thank you so much for your email. Jim says, "Hey, I noticed how you said that Muggleborns in Harry Potter don't always think to use magic immediately, and it reminded me how in Avatar The Legend of Korra, book three, spoiler alert, I'm saying it before I say the spoiler, spoiler alert for Legend of Korra at the end of it. Dang it. Wait, Grace, have you not seen it? No. Is that why you said dang it? Yeah. Oh, really? Wait, why did I think you had seen it? What? Okay, for real, skip ahead to 13 minutes and three seconds, if you would. Why did I think you... Mary Payton, wait, do you even watch Avatar? I haven't. Oh, okay. Well, that's fine. I don't mind spoiling I've, I've her for someone I've never seen Cora, which is Grace, a mistake. Honestly. Do you need to abscond yourself for this email? Let me just like, remove <laughs> Jim, the headphones. Jim, trouble. Just like, give me some hand waving when it's Mary okay. Payton, do you want to abscond or like, are you... I kind of want to because I, I still want to see it. All right, okay. take your headphones okay, off. This will be a me and Brooke We're just going to stare at you the whole time, though. It's not a question. It's just a cute little parallel. Bye. Bye, everyone. Wow. I thought that I had calculated this correctly, and I had not. Um, Okay. Jim says, I noticed how you said that Muggleborns and Harry Potter don't always think to use magic immediately, and it reminded me how in Legend of Korra, book three, the new airbenders behave similarly, where they don't always have 
the immediate instinct to use their newfound abilities and instead opt for more elaborate plans and maneuvers to escape trouble. I thought that was a very interesting parallel. That is interesting. I mean, do we really, like, see that play out as much in Harry Potter as we do in Legend of Korra, though? Um, I think... I the one thing I'm thinking of is when Hermione is like light of fire, but there's no wood, and Ron has to be like, "Are you a witch or not?" Yes, one really aggressive example. But that's like a like a dropping the ball example. I like I was I was wondering if there's like an opposite, you know, where it's a thing where it's like, "Hey, we're gonna like," I don't know. I guess it's always dropping the ball if you're not thinking to use magic first. Yeah, and it's also hard with our characters because like Ron is such a dunce and Hermione is so sharp you know so it's like not the perfect example of like a wizard born to muggle born situation I would like to see more Harry moments if if I could have the series rewritten I'd like to see more Harry moments of Harry really adjusting to life at Hogwarts because like quite frankly he accepts magic very quickly and falls like right into it like he doesn't seem to have any muggle instincts he's just really ready for like anything different yes okay I'm gonna call the girls back yep Okay, great. And so that's how um, Sokka ends up killing Katara at the end. And it's like really sad. <laughs> Wait, what? I'm just kidding. <laughs> how Grace, you're dare. still muted. Oh, yeah, I see, I see. <laughs> <laughs> she was just staring at me. So I assumed the mute was self-imposed. Well, it should have been. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. That would never happen. Not my Sokka. No way. Okay, here's our next email. Okay, are there any spoilers in here? Okay. Um, This is from Foster, one of our new patrons and one of our new friends on the Discord. Hi, Foster. Thank you for the email. Foster sent us a list of questions that we may want to discuss. Um, A list of questions is not a thing I'm particularly optimistic about. I'm not going to lie. I did solicit lists of questions from our listeners. So they're following instructions. Foster was following my explicit directions. In (laughs) fact, I posted in the Discord and I got this email from Foster approximately 15 minutes later. God bless Foster. Foster, I I apologize. You did so well. Good job. (laughs) Good job. Okay. Um, Foster asks, what has been your least favorite chapter so far? Of all of them? Yeah. Let's say in the first three books... Well, Brooks is going to be a Quidditch chapter for sure. Yes, that's exactly where I was going. The (laughs) the first time he plays Quidditch and catches the snitch in his mouth is a truly, like, (laughs) it's just the worst chapter to read. Um, And let's say, like, least favorite chapter, not least favorite episode, because we have had on some really excellent guests for some really bad chapters because they make up for the bad chapters. Oh, God, yes. The the only reason I was ever able to do an interesting, or we have ever been able to do an interesting Quidditch chapter is because of Adol Refine. <laughs> God bless Adol Refine. Respect on his name, God bless him. Any other least favorite chapters? I think all of the first chapters so far have been pretty weak, and that's why I'm excited about this first chapter, because it is not weak. Spoiler alert, the second chapter sucks. Mm. <laughs> Worse than they usually do. Oh, no. I don't remember that. Well, because it's it's literally just like, okay, let's put this cool chapter first, and then it's like, okay, well, the next chapter is Harry Potter was a very <laughs> unusual boy. Yeah, this one, the second chapter, is what's normally the first chapter, where it's Damn just like it. reminding us where we are in case you decided to start with book four <laughs> in a series. <laughs> Could you imagine starting with book four, getting super, super into this like first cool chapter? Because this is the one that starts with, like Nagini and the dude and the, yeah mm-hmm. right so Nagini and the dude is the name of my grunge band actually <laughs> <laughs> that's the name of my only fans 
<laughs> Spicy. Um, yes, Brooke, but I, I see where you're going. You know, like, to be like, hey, actually, I did just decide to pick this up at book four and see how it goes. And you're like, oh, this is dope as hell. And then the second chapter is, Harry Manor, the band, myth Listen. He had some cakes in his floorboards. <laughs> you may think this is just a normal boy, but I already told you he was special. Do you want to know how he's special? He's magic. Magic. <laughs> there is a real possibility that Mott's started with book four. And I don't even remember if that's oh true, my God. but he definitely read them all out of order. I wrote it down somewhere in the order that he I think he started with book five, actually. I think he did. <laughs> if I remember correctly. Which- Catch Mots on our next week's episode covering chapter one of Goblet of Fire, me, Haley, and Mots. Um, yeah, I would have to agree that my least favorite chapter so far would be the Chamber of Secrets or Prisoner of Azkaban first chapter. I would have to re-examine them to remember which one is worse because they are so deeply forgettable. Yeah. Mary Payton, what about you? I mean, I probably the the intro chapters would be my I mean, that would just make sense. I was yeah. trying to think of um I feel like I love the chapters about just like general school, like their classes and stuff, but ones that like harp on the Draco Harry rivalry. When they really harp on it, like a like a teenager would, you know, like or a preteen would, just like yeah, talking about other classmates over and over. Okay, next Foster asks, "What is our favorite chapter so far?" Mm. I know it's that one's harder. I mean, I really love like the whole climax, several chapters in a row of Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, I really like. Yeah, like, when they're just, like, learning everything and they're creeping around in, like, the Halloween dark, even though it's June, it's very Halloween-y. So, um, I would say one of those, I'm not sure exactly which. Mm-hmm. Oh, is this the right time for me to admit that I don't like Harry Potter? Um- <laughs> <laughs> wow, oh, how do I say awkward. this? Um, you are fired. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Uh, was I, was I hired at any point? <laughs> Yeah, you weren't um, interviewed for this position? What? <laughs> <laughs> my general demeanor is my interview for this position. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Y'all need someone who is going to butt in with an actually at every given opportunity, and that is the role that I fill. <laughs> Haley and I trade off that responsibility. <laughs> um, yeah, any other no- notable favorite chapters? Probably Anybody? like all the other ones. Okay, the I, ones besides the first yes. ones. <laughs> I really like the chapter as we're exiting the Chamber of Secrets because it's like relief after relief after relief. And when he like finds Ron and like Fox carries yeah, them away. Yes, and then they see their parents and Fox is there and everything. And like interspace through all of this is just Gilderoy Lockhart being a damn dumbass in the back. Like, <laughs> who am I? Where are we? Can I talk about one from the this book? Or no, it's about? so far. So far. Actually, no. <laughs> um, and just to clarify, Foster did say, so far. Okay. Okay. Well, then I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I can think of, like, I guess, I'm, I guess it's more, like, based on events that happen. But, like, so far, I really love when Harry is at the lake and he realizes that it's him who casts the... Mm. Patronus and not his father that pops out and like he just does it so quickly without really any thought he realizes like he's the only one who can who's here to do this thing 
Gryffindor mm-hmm. reflexes. Man, I just love that moment so much. Yeah. I also really love the chapter where Harry's in the Forbidden Forest and he has that interaction with uh, Ferenz. Oh, yeah. yeah that is, is a great one. I really like that one. Yeah. It's one of those that is has so many more layers in the book than yes. it does in the movies. Yeah. And it's just like... It all makes so much more sense once you've read the rest of the books. And it's like, wow, the seeds were planted. Yeah. Yes. My favorite thing about that chapter is it inspired a conversation that has resulted in me having a half-nude picture of me as a centaur hung up next to my desk in my bedroom. That's also my favorite part of that chapter. Weird. (laughs) (laughs) I just connect so much with that chapter. I don't know why. (laughs) It's my favorite thing. When I read in public with the bookmark that is me as a half-nude centaur, (laughs) I always feel like I have to, like, flip it over because I'm just like, I've had people, like, see me take it out of the book before and just kind of, like, double take (laughs) out. Do you have a bookmark of (laughs) you? Just like imagine having to explain it. Do you have a centaur pinup picture of yourself on your bookmark? <laughs> a full NSFW. Uh, oh no, the bookmark is the bookmark. SFW. I have pasties. <laughs> Technically pasties. <laughs> um, although you would still get some weird looks if you whipped that out at work. Yes. Um. Okay. Foster next asks if this series had to be written from another character's perspective, who would you choose? And Foster personally chooses Luna Lovegood. Oh, that's an awesome choice. I yeah. don't know that the story would have enough like cohesive elements if it was written through <laughs> Luna's perspective. That'd be okay, though. I feel like that would be fine. I feel like that would be one of the most different vibes from Harry that you can possibly oh, get. Yeah. yeah, It's like, why is this like an abstract, like purple as hell magical realism book suddenly? Like this is not the same tone at all. You wouldn't know whether things were really happening or if they were just in her mind. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool, actually. Unreliable narrator. Mm-hmm. Maybe I- we all choose what you choose faster. <laughs> I think I would like a Wicked style rendition where it is either Crab or Goyle's perspective of like <laughs> them actually doing all the things that Malfoy gets credited with in the background. Oh my gosh, that's funny. I was going to say Malfoy. I think that would be really interesting um, to see kind of his whole, I mean, he's really terrible to Harry, but like, I mean, his life is also terrible, so. Yeah. Any other ideas? Any other wise ideas? Um, I have a wise idea. Uh-huh. You always about- do, Little Miss Ravenclaw. <laughs> How about Neville Longbottom? That Ooh. would be a good one. That's almost like kind of... <laughs> Um, like Wayne from Puffs. Sorry to keep bringing mm. up Puffs. Um, no, I but love like, it. It's like it's from the Hufflepuff's perspective, and it's <laughs> it's like that. Neville, I understand, is not a Hufflepuff, but like, is he? Right. He he's got big puff energy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm really distracted because Haley's texting the group chat about cats currently. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, let's turn my phone over. You would think that we had actually harmed her by making her watch that movie. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize we were talking about that cats, not yeah, real cats. Cats 2019, okay. sorry. I got you. <laughs> if you could design a triwizard tournament challenge, what would you choose? Giant chess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to say the potions one, but Oh, the yeah, the potions from the first one is a good good option. I like Cedric that one. would be out because he's really nice and brave and cool, but he is not super smart. 
<laughs> I think I would do something. I mean, this is just me being dumb, but like, I would love to have them all come into a room like fully prepped, and then it's just a bunch of like Sudoku puzzles. <laughs> yeah, nice crosswords. So <laughs> yeah, I, I would love some sort of Muggle uh, task. Minesweeper. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Minesweeper. <laughs> Classic. I'm like, that's one of those things that like I wish I could take some of my skill points out of Minesweeper and put them into like hand eye coordination or like volume control. Like I am so unreasonably good at Minesweeper. <laughs> I would also like to see a wizard version of a like a triathlon where maybe they have to like run and then swim through the lake without getting eaten by anything and Ooh. then like fly a crazy course around all the turrets of Hogwarts Castle. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's or good. um how about like a roller derby? Ooh, yes. Yeah. I could see that. What about like a Hunger Games situation? Ooh, Hunger oh. Games fights to the death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what, what I, they're doing. Actually, I just remembered that Lupin did that whole like uh, dark arts obstacle course for them at the end of oh, book yeah. three. I want to just see a dark arts obstacle course. Okay, that's cool. These are some good ideas. I was thinking, um, just like debate. You know, just like what? Are, what are everybody's <laughs> political views? You know what I mean? Typical Ravenclaw, right there. I mean, the scoring system is just absolutely fucked because two of the five judges for the Triwizard Tournament are the in char- are running the, your competing <laughs> schools. So it's like, That's oh, sure, let it be super subjective because you could do it perfectly and still get a bad score. Also, debate feels really unfair considering two of the other three people are going to be doing like English as a second language for the <laughs> yes. entirety of the debate. That's true. Okay, never mind. That's a terrible idea. Victor Crump, <laughs> first of all, wow, Fleur Delacour would turn on the Vila charm for that. And also Victor Crump <laughs> is so awkward. He's so awkward. He probably would just be like, I fold and like walk away. It would be entertaining, though, at the it very was. least. Just Harry Harry and Fleur kind of getting into it. And then like Cedric really like calm, cool, and collected in the middle. Crumb has tapped out. I just feel like <laughs> Harry would be so silly in a debate setting. <laughs> yeah, he would not. He would not handle that pressure well at all. No need He'd to call like, me sir, professor. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be like, uh, Hermione. <laughs> can I get a sub? I would like um. To, uh, can I phone a friend? They're like, what's a yeah. phone? Oh yeah, who wants to be a millionaire? Who wants to be a triwizard champion? <laughs> okay, Foster's next question. Thank you so much for all these excellent questions, Foster. Foster asks, if you could turn into a magical creature, what would it be? Oh, wow! Literally a centaur. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if this is, like, animagus status, which, like, I don't think you can turn into, like, another sentient creature, mm-hmm. but... I mean, a- animals are sentient. Um, no. Yeah. Doesn't sentient mean that you're, like, aware that you're aware? Yeah, I feel like dogs clear that bar. Well... I'm Googling to find sentience, but like, I think that that's one of those things that's like a philosophical question. Wow. Um, I'm going to go ahead and see Webster's real quick. Okay, perfect. <laughs> if I have to turn into like an animal that's like an animal animal, then actually I would love to be a poisonous spider. I feel like that would be oh, very useful cool. yeah. as an animagus. And it's not necessarily a magical creature, but I think the act of turning into it is magical. So. 
First of all, how dare Marion Webster's define sentience as a sentient quality or state? I'm mad and I quit. <laughs> it's not helpful, man. I'd probably be a dog or like a like a lynx, like a medium sized furry pod, four pod, just like run around, romp around. Does it have to be a magical creature? I thought I don't it think did. so. Oh, I thought he, you said magical. He, he did say magical he did, creature. Oh, they, they did say magical creature. Okay. I guess that I guess when I read this, because I just finished reading Goblet of Fire, I was thinking Animagus. So Brooke, uh, I actually will allow Centaur. The Centaur. Good. Chop my bottom half off. It's not my best half. Replace <laughs> <laughs> it with a horse. <laughs> and I am rolling. Okay, then I would like to be that <laughs> I would like to be that uh, the Arumpent from um from um the Fantastic Beasts. You know, oh, the yeah. big, oh, yeah. lumpy thing. She's so cute. <laughs> Aww. She's a dead one. I kind of want to be a dragon. Do you, do you have a, a species of dragon? Oh. You would be a nice a Swedish hmm. short snout or um, yeah. the Welsh green. You know, like something kind of like a mellow. You're not like a, yeah. you're not a Norwegian ridge. What about like a spirited away type dragon? Like a, like a yeah. Thalcor. Nice. Tight. Yeah. I'll take it. Dogish dragon. Yeah. I was thinking about saying dragon because it would I would definitely want to be anything that flies. So as long as it flies. And for some reason, what's coming to my mind is the this isn't a magical creature, but the giant golden eagle from the rescuers down under. Ooh. Did y'all remember that movie? I don't know. I, yeah. I think I yeah. watched it at a time when I was a kid where I was just like obsessed with it. I forgot mm-hmm. to think of any magical creatures outside this canon. <laughs> I, that's probably what Foster meant, honestly, but just like some sort of giant bird. Yeah. Especially the, if it's like predatory. Eagles. So I could, yeah. The, yes. <laughs> the eagles. Capital E. Once again, real animal has to eagle is what you want to be. <laughs> it's extinct now, but. Yeah. Simply but everyone must look it up. I don't know if I've brought it up on this podcast. You haven't. I, I think we've linked it in the show notes, but I'll link it again now. They are actually terrifying. They are actually straight up the Lord of the Rings eagles, but the ones from Lord of the Rings are magical. So I'll allow it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, okay. Last question from Foster. <laughs> There's a lot more questions. Um, <laughs> what do you think the wizard drug world is like? That is <laughs> wow. super interesting. Ooh. Hmm. I've never read really a fantasy book that was edgy. I've read a lot of science fiction books that were edgy in this way, where there's like lots of cool, oh, let me download some malware to my brain microchip and like trip out for the afternoon. But I've never really encountered like dope, cool fantasy drugs. Have y'all? Mm-hmm. Or do you have so, any ideas? So here's the thing. I feel like the line of like, what's a drug is going to be really hard to establish in Harry Potter because when you think about the things that muggles do drugs for, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, for example, hallucinogens are a category of drug, right? Right. What's the difference between a hallucinogen and being able to eat a candy where your head, like, literally turns into a fire hydrant or some shit? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. They have a lot of things that have like wild bodily effects that are considered to be playthings and not drugs. That's true. I think that That's the difference would be like those are novelties and like I would probably be looking for something that's more of like a feeling than like a yeah. than like a physical reaction. 
There is that charm. What's it called? The it's cheering like, it's charm. not the ch- oh the cheering charm. Yeah. I was like the cheer up charm. That's not right. Yeah, the um, cheering yeah. charm and where they're like pepper charm. up potion. They're just like straight mm-hmm. rolling after they kind of fuck up the cheering charms. They're like rolling for just straight straight like hours. Ron's just laughing for. He's days. Just laughing. He's like, this is super <laughs> inappropriate right now. <laughs> I actually, just, I feel like it would be very similar to the Muggle world of drugs, where it's just like because there's. You know, wizards are still technically humans, so they're still going to want and be greedy about feeling good as much as possible. And whether it comes in like a charm form or a pill form, I think they would just be like, I I think it would be the same as here. But there's just so many things that were already introduced to in the books, like even like Felix Felicius and stuff like that, where Mm -hmm. it's just like that should be classified as a drug. They they just don't seem to raise to that level in the wizarding world like like emotional effects of potions and charms and yeah. objects is not considered to be like an experimental or like weird thing like right. everybody just kind of like is fine with altering their moods through yeah. liquids give me a wizard psychologic psychologist who studies this stuff I think maybe it's maybe it's because they know exactly who made it. Like, I don't know. If you know your meth dealer, you probably feel better about it, right? How does meth work? <laughs> I <laughs> have spoken about many a drug on this podcast, but I can guarantee I do not know how meth works. How does meth work? Um, I, I watched haven't, Breaking Bad, okay? I was okay? just going to say, I haven't <laughs> even seen Breaking Bad. Okay, well, I got you there, girl. All right, Grace, tell us. How does meth work? What? Well, first of all, you have to be a chemistry teacher. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, One thing I know for sure is that the wizarding world, um, drug world, would probably be as sexist as our contemporary muggle drug world. True. Thank you so much for your questions, Foster. That was a lot of really fun discussion, um, and we appreciate your patronage and your email, as always. Um, Our next email is from Adele. I think Adele sent me this like approximately one day after we stopped the last season and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to save this. <laughs> I'm going to use this someday. And I think that, I think this email is what made me be like, hey, wait, maybe we should do a mail episode. So thank you, Adele. Adele says, hi, Restricted Section crew. I've had so much fun listening to you all cover my favorite book in the series. And watching the movie alongside you all was such a blast. Haley, you and I will have to work out some sort of compromise on who gets to screw the Sphinx in the Goblet of Fire. Speaking of my least favorite Harry Potter book, I thought it would be fun to ask you all, what is your favorite of the three upcoming Triwizard tasks slash which one are you most looking forward to covering and why? Looking forward to hearing more restricted section shenanigans on the sports book, where she who must not be named started ignoring her editor and added in crazy, unnecessary world building. I'm such a fan of this podcast and of the people who make it happen. Love, Adele. Adele, we are such a huge fan of you, and thank you so much for this email. Which of the three Triwizard tests are you most looking forward to covering? I mean, you'd have to be in actual sadist to choose the maze right yes because it's boring and then terrible (laughs) yeah it's terrible so i I like the lake oh no yeah oh well same (laughs) i like the lake too it's a great choice brooke i really respect it you know what grace great choice for you too i I really like what the answer of lake does and says about you as a person i think it means that you're really intelligent and you understand the series at a core and like i'm a water sign so Oh my god, same. Oh my same. god, same. Oh my god, all of it. We've done, we did this. We did a we whole did bonus okay, episode okay, okay. about horse, <laughs> how's a horse. 
All of the women on this podcast are water signs, including Mary Clay, who won't tell us her birthday. And we decided that she's a Gemini. I think so. Does this sound cool to you? If you're a patron, you can listen to it. (laughs) It's true. We really sold that, didn't we? (laughs) Was that an ad? (laughs) I actually really do enjoy the maze in the books. It is so stressful, so deeply stressful knowing what is coming at the end of it. But the chapter itself is a lot more exciting than the books. A lot more stuff happens. It, it, it's really the first time we ever just get thrown like, it, okay, when you play D&D, when you're like walking from point A to point B, your dungeon master will like roll for encounter to see if you run into like any random fuck and then like pick a monster at random. And like, that's what the maze feels like is just like, I don't know, just whatever we got, throw it at him. Let's see. It's like really, some of it's like, we never learn about it in the whole series. We're just like, what the fuck is that thing? I don't know. That was scary. So I like it. I like the vibe. I like that when they walk into it, it like gets silent and scary. Does the Sphinx existing and doing riddles indicate that Oedipus Rex is part of the Harry Potter extended universe? Wow. <laughs> I think it just means that J.K. Rowling read Tolkien. <laughs> And was like, how do I get a riddle in here for my stupidest character? (laughs) That much is clear. (laughs) She certainly read Tolkien. I would like to instead assume that this was an early uh, raise of magical people um, in Oedipus Rex. And that Oedipus Rex was similar to Harry Neville's situation, uh, cursed by his prophecy, except that they hadn't invented the Hall of Prophecies yet for keeping these things from people until the... Uh. correct moments and so they just like spit him out at people and he's just like wandering through the world trying to make sense of it wow what a nightmare to just have prophecy spat at your face (laughs) worse (laughs) or better than fucking your mother and killing your father (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mary Payne what about you which of the tasks are you most excited to revisit I think because the dragon one is more like a Quidditch chapter, kind of. It gets a little annoying. I would have to say the lake, too. Yeah. Um, Because, like, that chat... Whoever wrote it, whoever wrote these books, did a great <laughs> job of um, making you really panic and thinking that if Harry doesn't save everyone, they will die. I remember feeling that. And now, whenever I reread it or watch the movie, I it, it's so obvious that they... They wouldn't die down there. They wouldn't let him drown down there. But you feel panicked with him. Yeah. I still don't know that that's true. Like. Oh, that they wouldn't Hogwarts- let him die? Yeah. No, I think Hogwarts <laughs> would absolutely wait. And I don't think they would intentionally let them die. I think they would like wait for Whoops. everyone to come up and be like, did we forget a kid in the lake? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They'd forget one of them. Yeah. Um, that is super valid, Mary Payton. They do. That's like a that's an example, I think, of a way that Harry's an unreliable narrator because he like builds this scene in which that he has no other choice. But he does. And when they break the surface, Ron calls him like a stupid prat or something for like yeah. even <laughs> considering that he, this was his responsibility. Um, but it did. It really felt so heroic at that time. And of course, yeah, obviously Dumbledore thought it was heroic, too, because he give more points but yeah it just you realize how dumb it is at the end but you're still totally in it with him yeah absolutely so here's some additional questions from adele um that she sent us via the discord 
Adele says, many people mention the fourth book as the moment when the series becomes for young adult readers with more maturity rather than for children. Are you looking forward to the tonal shift in the series? And if so, why? Do you think Goblet of Fire and future books still have any of that childish whimsy? And if not, will you miss it? Great question, Adele. Mm -hmm. What do we think? I am so excited for that tonal shift. I love that part. And that's where we were talking about earlier, remembering the first time we read this. I remember specifically, it was like three in the morning and I was in my room that I currently shared with my little sister and everyone was asleep, obviously. And getting to the part where it shifts to the graveyard and it was Mm. scary because it was like so quiet in my house and it became so dark and I was wrapped up, I think, in a way that was different than the first three books. Even those those were really engaging. It was just something Um, more magical to me. Well, and also the climax resolution of the first three books. I mean, Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets, that's like three chapters maybe. Prisoner of Azkaban, it's maybe four or five. But like the resolution of Goblet of Fire is like 10 straight chapters. Yeah. It's bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is an important thing that's missing from the movie. And I like the movie just goes from Cedric's death to oh next day. And um, I guess everyone's sad, but mostly fine. But the book just really spends a lot of time on that. And I think that's really awesome. I mean... I I read this this morning. The book drags so much in a way that is like very well done between Mm -hmm. when Harry gets back from the graveyard and like when it ends. It is like agonizing. And something that I really appreciate is they show Dumbledore and Fudge breaking up in the books. And like in the movies, it's just kind of like, well, what do you expect? It's a politician and an educator. They don't see eye to eye ever. But it's like, there's like a very realistic, actual breakup. And I think that's a really important part of that denouement as well. And also, don't even get me started on the serious situation. I know. No, I know. Ugh. Dumbledore's like, Madame Pomfrey, this dog's going to accompany Harry to the hospital wing. And I just like wish that when I wasn't feeling good, I could just summon a very well-behaved dog to snuggle me, you know? <laughs> I don't even necessarily see it as a tonal shift. I like the later books so much more than the early books um, that, like, when I think back on the series, they all have this tone to me. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Like, I find elements of the tone of the later books in the earlier books more than vice versa. That's a very interesting perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, apart from the darker tone, we also get more nuanced humor throughout this book, which is so enjoyable. And that really only escalates, I think. Maybe book seven is like a little bit of an exception. Everyone's dying. We're on the run. But um, the humor to me gets so much more fun. And um, and like I remember also being a kid and like I l- learned a lot of words from Goblet of Fire where I don't think the previous three books really taught me a lot of vocabulary, but I, for some reason, really specifically remember a couple words that I learned from this. I'm excited for the tonal shift, too. And and I think that what's really cool about this book is that I just think this book and following this book, it becomes so much more character-driven. Yes. And I don't know if that's, like, to do with the tone necessarily, but I think yeah. that it is at least kind of. And um, that's just something I really, really enjoyed through the rest of the series. Yeah, I think hand in hand with that as well. I I do really enjoy when the romance starts happening because yeah. it's all so bad. Like there's <laughs> no good 
healthy. Like, there's no, like, saccharine, like, please, that's enough of this, like, straight white romance. There's, like, none of that. It's, like, all so awkward and bad the whole time. Like, every romantic encounter is just, like, so god-awful. That's the humor you were talking about. (laughs) Yes, I love it so much. That's also, like, what this period of your life is. Yes. You know? Absolutely. Adele's next question. Also, what is your favorite side character introduced in Goblet of Fire? Potential candidates include Winky, Ludo Bagman, Crumb. I know some of those may not sound familiar to you, Brooke. Um, Adele goes on to say, we know my answer. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Hashtag Bertha Jorkins deserved better. Aww. I'm going to second Bertha Jorkins because y'all know I love a well-intentioned idiot who fucks up and everyone hates her. She's the underdog now. I am here for that bitch. She's the one that, like, disappears, right? She disappears, oh, weird, in the last known hiding spot of Lord Voldemort. Mm-hmm. Let's never look into that. That's probably nothing. Um, I just, I love to hate Rita Skeeter. I will say, as the books progress, we get, like, so many better bad guys. Like, yes, up until now, like, Voldemort's just kind of been, like, looming in the shadows. And there's, like, one very clear big bad at the end of everything yeah and like we start to get these like really fun like intensely detestable bad guys in the later books you know like umbridge rita skeeter and like that is a thing that i really enjoy that's a great point and now that you brought that up there are so many bad guys and they're all such different characters like the spectrum from like snape to like I'm like, who's even like, like, and Bellatrix and like Fenrir Greyback and, and like you said, Umbridge, like there's so, and like, even considering Snape's ending, I still consider him to be like a nuanced bad guy. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. there are some really cool characters that crop up in this. And then there's some characters who are just like forever neutral, you know, like, kind of like Snape. It's like, are you a good guy? Are you a bad guy? In the end, you're just like a guy. And that's like part of the story. Or, like, (laughs) fucking Mundungus Fletcher, where it's like, are you a good guy? Technically. But you're kind of a bad guy. (laughs) We also get away from the kind of, like, meddling, like, childish, like, bad guys. People like Filch, where it's like, he's just trying to do his damn job. Like, you know what I mean? And, like, that's such a hallmark of, like, children's books. Because adults in positions of annoying authority that keep you from living your dreams are an easy-to-go-to bad guy. Wow. But as the books mature, you get actual bad people thrown yes. in there. And we, we kind of move away a little bit from, like, you know, peeves being the worst thing that happened to you <laughs> that week. Yeah. I think Adele bringing up Winky is good. Um, I am excited for that to revisit the whole house elves situation because um, Spew. This is where that whole thing starts. Yeah, Spew starts. Hermione, oh Hermione, oh girl. I like the the book like stylizes it like when yeah. Hermione's talking. It's in like all capitals with punctuation marks, like a proper um wow. acronym. But when yeah. other people are saying it. It's all lowercase, always in italics every time because everyone's always like, spew. Like, (laughs) oh, God. Like, her intentions (laughs) are so good, but just like, wow. Yeah. Also, like, kind of just another example of how J.K. Rowling, the author, I'll say her name because she hates women, dude. Like, the... Mike said it once in it like in like chapter two of Sorcerer's Stone. And like, I just have not stopped thinking about it since. 
Like, she hates her female character so much. And it's like, look at this stupid nagging idiot. The whole book. It's like, it's like, how silly does she look right now? Not great. Not great. Um, Mary Payton, what about you? Um, I was going to say Winky. um, Because I love her. And she's, the poor thing is so torn. Like, and like, almost tortured the whole time. And she's so cute. I don't know. I mean, I think you guys kind of nailed it where like they there are so many new characters in this one of so many different levels of likability and good and bad and empathetic. And I think this like I I think it goes with the tonal shift, but like um, also the the idea of good and evil kind of shifts to this like more adult version of it where it's like a gradient rather than a binary. Yeah. And we start to realize that often the people that cause the most harm are the people who are either avoidant like fudge, um, you know, like, uh, trying to pretend like everything's fine. Uh, people who are apathetic, um, you know, that those things can do the most damage. Okay. Um, thank you so much Adele for all of your questions in your email. We love you a lot. Hey girl. Email from Mott's. Mots says, hello there. So I've been re-listening to the podcast lately, and I keep thinking about Tom Riddle's diary. <laughs> Do you think Lucius Malfoy wrote in it before planting it on Ginny? <laughs> Dear Tom, lately I've been contemplating cutting my hair short. Narcissa got mad at me and said that it's just my midlife crisis talking. What do I do? Please help me, Tom. Best wishes, <laughs> Lucius. Mots goes on, I like to imagine part of the reason why he had to get rid of it was that Narcissa got mad at him for spending more time with the diary than with her. Also, what if Gildroy Lockhart had picked it up in the bathroom instead of Harry? Don't you think he'd write in it? If so, what would he write? The most vain, self-absorbed shit, like how we see him for most of the series. Or the darkest secrets he has, like all the things we know he did. Also, also... Am I the only one who feels like picturing Voldemort writing in this diary immediately makes him a lot less threatening and intimidating? (laughs) Anyway, thank you all for being awesome. I love this podcast. It truly is the highlight of my week. I have the honor to be your obedient servant, M.Fur. Well, Mots, this podcast is going to be the highlight of my weekend because I'm recording a beautiful episode with you. This is a lot of really good, hilarious points about the diary. (laughs) Guys, any thoughts, feelings? I think that Lucius would have absolutely written in the diary, but I think it would just be like horrible fanboy questions. Like, hey, Tom, because he knew what this was. Being like, hey, Tom's like, what's your favorite color? Like, do you have a favorite food? Like, do you like spring or fall? (laughs) Do you think it makes me like less badass of a Death Eater if I go for this pumpkin spice latte? (laughs) Do you think my hair looks box dyed? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And he just like brings and then later with like anyone else in the real world, he's like, he brings it up all the time. He's like, oh, my God, Tom was so funny today. (laughs) (laughs) And I once again want to reiterate one of my favorite darkest fan theories that we came up with on the podcast about Gilderoy Lockhart is that he is secretly gay. And when he sleeps Mm. with men, he tells them all his dark secrets and then he obliviates them afterwards. And that's how he purges it from his system. It's not a good theory in that it's like 
fun, but it's a great theory and that like you can immediately see it. Okay, it's not For not sure. fun though from like a storytelling perspective. Okay, here's Mott's next question um, that he asked in the Discord. If you had to choose one Harry Potter spinoff series that you wanted to be made, what would you choose? And I would choose like a Casanova type Lockhart series um, where he he's burdened with being the protagonist so he has to like change slightly and take action you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i like that my theory for the um gilderoy writing in the diary though mm-hmm. is that he doesn't write anything he just sketches self-portraits <laughs> <laughs> and that's it they all look like greco-roman statues of himself yes. <laughs> i was like- gonna say stick figures <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean that Tom Riddle writes back art critiques? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how to say this. Your nose is a lot bigger than that. (laughs) I went straight for the nose, too, in my mind. I was like, definitely comment on the nose. Because you know Voldemort is sensitive about the nose. Oh, my gosh. I was was thinking that Greco-Roman statues have big, strong noses. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay, great. Um, I do love the idea of my dear, sweet, stupid Lucius sitting down <laughs> to write in a diary. He's already, like, not even a remotely threatening character to me. It's, like, in the beginning, he has, like, in Chamber of Secrets, he has just, like, the most minimal amount of sway on, like, the Board of Governors for the school or whatever. But he pretty much goes MIA for the next two books and then comes back as Voldemort's number one coffee bitch. You know, like Lucius Malfoy is the intern who never got promoted. Yeah, Um, it's giving me like Bo Burnham's unpaid intern. You know? (laughs) Yeah. If anyone knows. Yeah, so he's like already not very threatening to me, but um, just picturing him writing in the diary does make it better. Wait, is it Lucius or is it Voldemort writing in the diary? Oh, the intimidation that was Voldemort. Oh well, you know what? I'm just like I'm just like using these questions like Plato no, to it's mold good. my I own. I like it. I just want to make sure we're <laughs> answering the questions. You know what I mean? I would love there. to see, um, like we were talking about TV, like spinoffs. I would love to see like a Big Brother type show, but with all the kids in the dorms, and they'd have like a mm. confession camera. And ooh, that's good. Mm, I like that. I like that. I would like to have a spinoff series of, like, young McGonagall and younger Dumbledore, like, having adventures together. Yeah. Also because I believe this was included in, like, Pottermore material later, but at some point McGonagall was, like, married and living in Hogsmeade and, like, kind of commuted into Hogwarts. Yes. And so, like, I want to see all of that. I want to know, like, how she got all this experience. Like, I want to know what she was like when she was young, wild, and free. Oh, my God. Have y'all seen the movie The House with a Clock in Its Walls? Yes. Okay. Well, there's a very adorable, like, um, deeply platonic adult friendship, (laughs) adult wizard friendship in that movie that I think is actually probably, like, straight up what a a younger McGonagall and Dumbledore were, like, just, like, constantly dissing each other in, like, the most intelligent, mutual, like, loving way. Yeah, and they, like, get really snippy with each other and, like, they know each other's flaws and, yeah, that would be beautiful. Yeah, great team. It's just, you love to see it. Okay, other end of the spectrum, hear me out. Love Island. Yeah. <laughs> Love Island. Way older. Oh, my God. <laughs> with, like, the faculty? It would have to be, right? They're, yes, well, with the yeah, faculty. <laughs> I would honestly love to see a Love Island concept with, like, the, like, 
obscure order adults you know what i mean like yeah get like you know bill and charlie up in that bitch like oh, yeah you know what i mean P- toss yeah. booty in there see how that goes Ooh, i'm really <laughs> excited to hang out with bill and charlie in this book yeah me too at length oh yeah mm-hmm. at length <laughs> <laughs> whatever length that may be i'm more of a girth girl <laughs> Brooke, that's not the first time you've said that to me this week. Why were we talking about that already this week? Because I like a girthy dick. (laughs) A couple other questions. Um, These are ones that I wrote. Just three. Who has been your favorite character so far in the trilogy? Based on their behavior in the first three books, you know? It's got to be Harry Potter. No, just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. For me, I think it's maybe like McGonagall. Like, she's just like, she's strong. I have so many questions. Like, I just love her spirit. I love whenever I see her, I'm like, ah, good. Okay, we're safe now. Yeah. I mean, it's hard for me to only consider the first three books. Mm -hmm. Because I was going to say Molly Weasley. But she's kind of just a nag in the first three books. Yeah, that's not great, but I feel like she has some good moments in in this book. So she has that some really count. good moments. She has actually. There, God, there's just so much stuff that happens in this I book. I know. I'm so excited. <laughs> I really like. I think I like Ron a lot from the. If it was just based on the first three books, I mean, I mm-hmm. still love Ron a lot, but I feel like he'd probably be my favorite because he's just he's funny and he's such a great friend through all of it. Yeah, I would also say Ron. I don't know, like, he, he's he got such, like, he's got, like, a whole personality in the books, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and it's he's surprising. Like, he's funny, and he's charming, and he's, like, he's not great at school, but he's not not a smart guy, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I'd give him a chance. I, no, I was, like, hardcore Team Ron in terms of, like, being a young girl and being, like, if I could date any of these boys, <laughs> if I could snog, it would have been Ron. Yeah, me too. I really don't remember having crushes on either of them, which feels so weird to me because I was not not a horny preteen. Like I definitely <laughs> was, but I don't. I don't know if it, they they were just like unsexy to me, and I was into other hotter stuff like Twilight, etc. <laughs> not hot enough. <laughs> I don't think imagine I- getting that note from your publicist like. <laughs> I don't know if this book is hot enough. <laughs> it's for children? <laughs> it's about children? No, no, I hear you, but it gets the note stands. It does get You've hotter. already got them making out. I just feel like maybe go further with that. <laughs> so, cool. I like those answers. I also do really love... I know I, I li- my first choice was the most serious character in the entire first three books, but my second choice is Fred and George because they carry like 90% of the comedic like all of the comedic writing in the first three books. Other people get funny. Harry Potter gets much funnier like the narration. I think that's partially Harry Potter like becoming more informed, becoming an adult, but I think it's also partially the Voldemort becoming like a more competent writer with who is like more stylized and like more secure in their voice. So what has been different for you on this read of the first three books that is different from previous reads. Well, I remember them now, so that's nice. Yes. This Good. is, you know, I, again, I think I've said it before. This is my first time rereading the book since ever, since I, like, originally read them. Yeah, so this is your first time reading them with any kind of, like, critical training, like, any kind of, like, really, like, literary background and your whole adult brain. 
Yeah, and like surprisingly, my whole adult brain um, like developed okay, and it's been interesting. I was really shocked by the amount of like raw child abuse that goes on in these books. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't get better. Um, like as an adult, like that's shocking. I think as a kid, you just don't think about it. But like, yeah, that just has accept truly it for been... what it is. But right. you know, as a kid, you're like, what if I was in an abusive household and then my I got told I was a wizard and then I got took to this really dangerous school where I had to like do all these grown up fights like what if that happened to me and there was no one else who could do it it was just me but the actual like undertone of that is always like what if you're normal but you're not normal you're special and like as a kid you're like I am special and as an adult you're like no one's fucking special you're not special Gandhi's not special the queen of fucking England isn't special go sit the fuck down yeah, basically. But also yeah. don't hurt people needlessly. <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely, wow. Never uh, reread them so slowly. That's for damn as, sure. As we have mm-hmm. <laughs> on the on the cast. It's good um, for you. It's no, good it to is pace good. yourself. It is good. It's like how when I have goldfish cracker snacks, I eat them with chopsticks so that I can only eat them one at a time. You know, it's like a built-in pacing oh mechanism. <laughs> that's how I eat hot Cheetos, but that's mostly because of the the red dye. Yes. Oh my gosh, my plug for this week is please use chopsticks to eat almost all snacks. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> yeah. It's a good call. I endorse that. <laughs> wow. Um, okay, I guess uh, that was the end yeah, of that's what the whole I was answer. Say. I mean, yeah, none of us have ever read it for the purpose of a podcast. That's something we have in common. Just like I've never thought about it as much as I have. You I've know like, what I mean? barely like, just, even thought about it. I've you, barely thought about it. I've, I've mentioned this before that the first time I read them, I was eight. And like as an adult, every all of the 15 times I've read them since then, Every single one of those rereads was informed by my first interpretation of them to exactly, some extent. Exactly, and I was just like, that's how it is. Yes, so like rereading them this time has just absolutely like blasted my brain open <laughs> in the Harry Potter universe. And I'm so And plus, grateful. with everybody else's perspectives on the podcast, I'm just like, damn, I got yeah. some smart friends, by the way. Yes, and that's now like, cool. I just like, I'm like fully convinced that Snape was in love with James, you know, like everything <laughs> yes. is different now. <laughs> Mary Payton, what about you? Probably analyzing like the rules of the world outside of the storyline. It's like just the storyline. So, you know, reading, I like, I'm sure I analyzed it a lot the million times that I read it before this podcast. And I know I did, but analyzing, I, I feel like at that level was just like, why does that work here? Like, how does that work again? But with the podcast, like, we just go on these tangents of talking about, okay, what what does that mean for the rest of the wizarding world? Like, we're talking about the, the drugs of the wizarding world, you know? I don't think I've yeah. ever thought about that before. I will say that this podcast has caused Harry Potter to infect my entire life um, uh-huh. in terms of, like, moving through the world. It's like I I think about Harry Potter more than I've ever thought about <laughs> Harry Potter in my life. I relate it to just about everything. It's really good in a business setting. You're really helping me with my job there, <laughs> Tina. <laughs> um, I do relate to that deeply. I'm the Harry Potter friend. Everyone mentions it to me always. When there's like a really good TikTok, I get, I get it sent to me like seven or eight times. That being said, if you see something funny and you want to send it to me, please continue to do so because a lot of my friends send me really hilarious stuff and I use it I use it for this podcast social media account. So I am grateful. 
last question of the session. And I do apologize that we didn't get the opportunity to visit every question. We got a lot of really awesome questions for, from all of our devoted listeners. And we love you a lot. And we're so grateful that you took the time to kind of engage with us today. Um, so if we didn't read your question, it's because of time. So now it's time for the last question. Who is a character that just in this past rereadings of like these first three books who is a character that you've totally changed opinions on um honestly petunia Hmm. which is maybe a weird thing but i had never really thought of her in any other way than like you know like a, a bitchy awful woman and like really digging into her psychology as we have done now three times in our very first chapters of each book and really thinking about like what probably caused this like what brought this on and also the realization that she did actually have to raise baby Harry like babies take a lot of work and she did that you know like all of those kind of things compounding together I don't know that I necessarily have like a different opinion of her in terms of like I still think she's an a bad person but like really digging into what we think might be making her tick has completely changed the way that I view her actions like i feel i find her to be somewhat more forgivable now Hmm. i definitely agree that like an adult perspective on petunia gives you more sympathy for her i think for me it's hagrid and (laughs) brooke you may have had some influence on that i fucking (laughs) ruined hagrid for you didn't (laughs) i'm so sorry um no that's okay no i just you know when you're a kid you don't notice all of the things that hagrid is doing and you're not asking yourself why is hagrid doing that um but i did i asked myself that this time (laughs) and hagrid did not come out too great um that's okay. Well, that's the thing. When you become an adult, you have to start asking yourself, is this an appropriate way for an adult to behave? Because up until you're like like an, like 14, maybe, you can kind of act however you want. It's like, oh, she's just tired. She's just hungry. You know? But it's like... I just needs to drink okay, some more well, water. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we're all like, okay, this is... Wait, I know this. This is inappropriate adult behavior for sure. You can't do Yeah. Me. So, sorry, man. <laughs> I was also going to say Hagrid, um, but here's some here's a hot take that I <laughs> here's my character that I've totally changed opinions on kind of um Dobby. Okay. I don't like him. How fucking dare you? <laughs> and I think that I've never liked him and I'm just kind of this is the first time I've ever permitted myself to not like him. I find him deeply meddling and obnoxious and I feel like he's like just like a he's just there for sympathy that's like all he has like look at this poor pathetic creature he's so like he's such a caricature of a character and um i don't like him i think that (laughs) i think that his um role in the story should have been done like well or like not at all and i don't think it was done well he could have been more of a winky character and it might have worked better Winky is rough. I know, dude. but like, yeah. l- let's revisit that after the. <laughs> like, I get that. I'm not saying like full Winky, but like you know, like he could show any amount of like actual stress at what he's endured instead of just being like, "LOL, I ironed my knuckles." Anyhow, you can't go to school. Okay, bye. Yeah, yeah, he's a little nuts. Yeah. 
Um, can I say J.K. Rowling? Ooh, Ooh yeah. round of applause. You no, thank you. Thank you. You win. Okay, Man. you you win, and that's a great place to end this podcast. <laughs> frankly, I think we've all changed opinions on that woman, Damn that bitch. Since I I probably wouldn't start this podcast now, you know. Um, but I'm glad that we have it, and I'm glad that we get to be part of the the other narrative, yeah. you know. I'm glad that we get to contribute to creating a safe space for people who love Harry Potter but are upset by that. But we're not going to harp on that too long because this is uh, like a pump-up episode. This is a pregame. This is the uh, mailbag episode. I've called it a million different things. One thing's for sure, the very first episode that we record after Goblet of Fire is called Group Therapy. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to need it. Um, In conclusion... Before we move on to plugs, I would like to just one more time encourage everyone to sign up for our Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you can be part of our online community on the Discord where we have a lot of really awesome conversations all the time. There's a lot of really excellent people there. For the $5 tier, you can get monthly bonus episodes. And September's bonus episode is going to cover My Immortal, the mysterious and legendary Harry Potter fan fiction. So I can't emphasize how much you don't want to miss that. So please check us out. The link is in the show notes. So now it's time to move on to plugs. Brooke, where can people find you on the internet? You can follow me on Instagram at Passion4Parks. You can find me on Twitter at GrumpyBrooke. Um, And this week I am going to plug a book that I read recently and absolutely loved. It is called The Henna Artist. It is by Alka Joshi. Um, it is an awesome, like, female-forward book that's set in post-colonial India, and um, it's just a really delightful read. It, like, has some twists and turns. It's really just, like, a woman trying to make it on her own in a society that doesn't want her to, and it's it's just amazingly entertaining. I highly recommend it. Awesome. Thank you so much. Mary Payton, what about you? Where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Instagram at Richmond Reads or at CrookMP. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at CrookMP, although I don't do much on there. Mostly just retweet on that one. You show up once a month in like everything I've posted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just go down the list, just liking, approving. She's very supportive. Yeah, hey, I do it genuinely. I'm not just liking it. I like it. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can find me there. And then I'm going to plug something that I've been plugging in my regular life to everyone I've seen. So sorry to you guys. But um, The Haunting of Bly Manor, the show on Netflix, which is so freaking good. I did not watch The Haunting of Hill House, which everyone said was so good because I do not like scary stuff. So I just avoided it. Um, and my little sister convinced me to watch Haunting The Haunting of Bly Manor. Um, and... Of course, it's scary. It's got the word haunting in the title. Um, (laughs) Obviously. But, um, man, it was so freaking beautiful. And I'm someone who thinks way too much about dark stuff. So, you know, middle of of the season, I was, like, kind of really feeling it. But, like, it's just, it's so well done. It's really more of a love story. Um, I could not recommend it more. Thank you so much for that. Grace, what about you? What have you been doing lately? What do you have to recommend today? Um, today I'm going to recommend uh, a podcast called Noble Blood. <gasps> wait, um, wait! Did you just start listening to that? 
I've been listening to it for a little while. Oh my god, I just started listening to that podcast really? in the past oh couple my god. weeks. Yeah, well, great choice. It's really good. It's hosted by Dana Schwartz, and basically she just kind of goes through stories of some messy royals. Man, it's crazy. It is just- crazy. Just, like, so much murder. <laughs> yeah, like, okay, when people were like, George R. R. Martin, why did you write these fucked up books? And he's like, joke's on you. It's based on history. This is the show where you're like, oh, my God, yeah. it was completely right. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. Um, I definitely recommend just, like, starting from the top and just binging it because it's it's awesome. Hell, yeah. Thank you so much. And obviously, I second that plug. So I've been your host, Christina. You can follow me on Instagram at Christina the Con. You can follow me on Twitter at Christina Con. You can follow me on TikTok at Sprouts Private Stash. Um, and this week, I'm going to plug the book Ariadne by Jennifer Saint. Um, it's a retelling of, you know, Ari- the Ariadne's story from Greek mythology, um, which involves um, like the Minotaur and the Labyrinth and Daedalus and Icarus and Theseus and Dionysus. They all end in Sus. <laughs> Weird. It's, that's pretty sus. Um, it's it's a very lovely retelling of, uh, like, a more contemporary retelling of an old Greek myth. And we actually are reading it for our August um, Movie Night Group book club, which we're doing over on the Discord. So um, it's been really exciting to be able to, like, talk to people as we're reading it. So, yeah, I recommend Ariadne by Jennifer Saint. Well, that's the end of it. Thank you so much, ladies, for coming on and chatting with me about... The Goblet of Fire, and about all that we've read so far and fielding some questions from our beloved listeners. Here we go again. Yay! Yeah, here we go again. Get ready, because it's, um. I mean, this is the grown-up ride now. This is that roller coaster that goes <laughs> forwards and backwards. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be on this one. I don't want to. <laughs> you gotta, I'm sorry. Yeah. From now, from here on out, all the books end in murder. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gang, I got to go finish reading Cool Haircuts for Wizard Daddies before this book tries to shank me. Goodbye. The Restricted Section is thrilled to be a member of the Movie Night Crew Podcast Network, which features amazing other podcasts such as My Cabbages, an Avatar podcast. My Cabbages is an Avatar The Last Airbender podcast that was started by two lovable nerds during a global pandemic to stave off their inevitable existential crisis. Coffee, tea, honor, cabbage. Long ago, the four elements lived in harmony. Then, shit went totally cray when the Avatar attacked. Only the Cabbage Man, merchant of fine cruciferous vegetables, could stand against his trolling. But when the world needed some dank veg, he vanished. Ten years have passed, and my partner and I have started a new podcast. My an Avatar podcast. A weekly show about Avatar The Last Airbender. Whether it's Sokka's new line of cologne. Hey, look at you, sitting there on a seal. Well, now look at back at me. I'm on an on a even bigger seal. Now look away. D&D related antics. You have to make an acrobatics check for that. And Aang just like unzips his pants and whips out his D20s. He's just like, I got this. Or randomly breaking into song. <laughs> We'll stumble our way through the greatest show ever made, one episode at a time. You can reach us at CabbageCast, which is our Twitter, 
or subscribe wherever you catch pod. Rotten cabbages? What kind of slum do you think this is? The Restricted section was created by me, Christina Kahn, based on the book series by J.K. Rowling. All music by Ryan Kahn. Logo by Michael Hardison. Support us on patreon.com slash restricted section. For as little as a dollar a month, you can gain access to our Discord community server, which is a really happy place to be. And there are other rewards as well, such as bonus episodes and Zoom happy hour hangouts. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Restricted Section Pod, on Twitter at Restricted Pod, and on Facebook at Restricted Section Pod. Also, feel free to shoot us an email at restrictedsectionpod at gmail.com to share your thoughts, feelings, complaints, conspiracy theories, or even lavish praise. I, I like can't I cannot chill if I cannot see that my audacity is currently recording. That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie night crew network.